Hi, everybody. This is Kevin O'Donohue, licensed New York State mental health counselor. And this is Nasima Diane Deemer, trauma-informed bodywork therapist. And this is The Positive Mind. Bringing you some ideas, concepts, and guests to try and help you lead a more positively-minded life. And Nasima, it's full of color out there. On the highways, the parkways, in the neighborhoods, in the parks. This is the height for us here in New York of um, the fall. And Mel, what a big difference from one Saturday to the other. You know, it just everything is popping. Everything is popping. So, you know, it made me think, Nasima, like all of this color and this variety of color right next to each other, one tree next to the next tree next to the next tree, that these trees are really showing us their essence, their fullness, their beauty, their latent beauty, that this week in November, these trees are, you know, usually the trees are just quiet all year round, and then they get noisy (laughs) if we look at it. Wow, are they just so full of color, really popping. They they're full of they're full of themselves. You know, their just essence is just at least the essence we think they have is coming through. So it's just been a, a big change from one week to the next. Of course we can reflect on that that nature's always really changing, right? If you take time lapse photos of trees from one week to the next through the seasons, that they are changing. Um, It's just now that we're really noticing how beautiful they are. Well, I I like this this analogy where, you know, the trees all seem kind of green in the summer. They're all kind of um, Mm. uniform green. Right. Yet this process happens in the fall where that green drops away and something else is revealed. Yes. Yeah, the sort of the front-facing tree uh-huh. is revealed right. to have these under, as you say, latent colors. Yes, and even the the background trees are showing their colors as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so it made us think, you know, about this theme that we've been talking about. You know, we've been talking here on the positive mind um, through the fall about a few things. The first one was that we were talking about loneliness. Because there seems during this pandemic um, to have been like an epidemic of loneliness. We started with statistics from the early 1970s where, you know, 11% of Americans claim to have felt lonely in the last six months. When in 2011, 40 years later, it was up to 40%. And so now living through this pandemic, maybe we're through the, we're through the, essence of it through the heart of it yeah and so it might be going down but we do still think that the numbers are much higher than 40 percent because if people were feeling it a decade ago how could they not be feeling it even worse now so we did some shows on loneliness and now i kind of can pull that analogy through to this like something about the pandemic made us stop being busy so that was like the green of the trees. Yeah. <clears throat> and we're no longer busy. And then it's like, oh, I'm really very lonely. <laughs> yeah. So a certain yes. essence of my experience right. came out. Yes. And it's hard when you're lonely to feel like you have positive qualities. 
which is going to be one of the themes for today's show. We want to focus on some positive qualities in people. What makes two people fall in love? Is it the positive qualities? Is it the negative qualities? What? How could you fall in love with somebody's like negative qualities? How could that be? So we want to talk a little bit about this today, some positive qualities and maybe the essence, really, of what it's like to love. I have a feeling that you being a couples therapist, that you have a lot of people coming into your office with questions about love. Of course, like... Right, because when you're in love, there are no questions. <laughs> when you're in love, all the questions go away. You're just going riding on this beautiful, loving energy. There's no doubts and no questions. And then when love goes away, and which is what we talked about last week, last week's show was focusing on what happens when that feeling goes. And it's quite natural for the loving feelings to go. And so not to panic. That's what we say, don't panic. Let's be curious about it. Well, when couples come into couples therapy, you know, we say they've had seven years of questioning and then they finally showed up, you know, and this is a statistical fact in couples therapy. If you ask the couple when they come in, when do you think you should have come in to start talking about this? And invariably, invariably, they say seven years ago. Seven years. Because so, people fight it, you know, they don't want to admit it. They don't want to acknowledge that, yes, the loving feeling is gone, is going, is going, is going, is going. Maybe I can get it back. You know, they're wrenching themselves, contorting themselves to try and find it again, find that loving feeling. And so many songs are about finding that loving feeling, right? And so it makes sense that it takes seven years to actually show up and say, okay, we give up. We don't have the answers. Can you help us? So... Then the questions come out. And last week's show pretty much gave some exercises on what couples can do. Because one of the first things they do is they stop making eye contact. Right? Your lover, the person you always you know, fell in love with, could make eye contact with. Suddenly you stop making eye contact. That's one of the first things that goes. So let's start making eye contact again. And just start there. And let's see. And let's breathe. And let's what's coming up. And there it is. There we're off to the races. We're starting couples therapy. <laughs> a, so. a therapist I know has said it's like coming to a therapist is like going to a mechanic, right? You're yeah. kind of like the relationship mechanic. Can you imagine driving your car and never changing the oil or never adding oil to it? It's yeah. just maybe you just didn't know you had to do that. Right. And it starts smoking on the freeway and you're like, what yes. is going on with my car? It's right. kind of, I think we do that to relationships. We just kind of run them yeah. without changing the oil, mm. without updating, without, love it. you know, love it. like, and looking in your partner's eyes is one way to sort of lubricate the engine again, Absolutely. Right? <laughs> the I engine love of love. It's a, it's so, so, you know, right. we need sometimes the therapist or a third person to... Be the mechanic to say, well, well, this is what you've been mm. neglecting. And we have to maintain relationships. Like and we usually start with communication. Like every couple comes in and they say, we're not communicating anymore. What's the breakdown of the communication? So the third person, the therapist in the room says, oh, I see here how you're not listening to each other. This is the mechanism you're using not to listen. Right. It's okay. I mean, you can have that mechanism. But if you really want to get back the love that you once had, you're going to have to 
tune into each other. Maybe you're really going to have to learn to listen better and refine this communication. So, yes, uh, we are kind of mechanics. <laughs> it's to tune up your relationship. And tune it up. You know, one <laughs> thing we forgot to put in last week's show, you know, we did a few exercises, but we forgot to mention that couples, successful couples celebrate the relationship. They celebrate together. You know, so I know a couple that goes away together, just themselves, leave the kids behind, Every six months. Beautiful. They go away for four days. And that's their tune-up. And that's you know? their tune-up. You know, <laughs> I know couples do like date nights. They do yes. to make specific time. That's where you tune up the relationship. Where you just sit and you can look at each other with no distractions. And be with each other with no distractions. Right. So let's go into, Nasima this week's show about the essence of love. And we think that when you fall in love with somebody, that somebody's probably very special is somebody so special and that the injury to your soul when that love goes is not there anymore is so devastating because you've lost touch with the essence of the other person we want to help you get back in touch with the essence of the other person we will talk about what blocks for instance what are some qualities and traits about you that haven't changed through your whole life? Like, what are the positive qualities that you've gotten through your life with? It's a question I often ask my clients who've struggled through different traumas and, you know, adverse childhood experiences. And, and I like to say, it's like, what part of you didn't the experience, the whatever happened, get like yes. there's a part of Corrupt. you that's still, yeah, that's uncorrupted, right. that came here to this lifetime to do its thing. And it's so, it's like your spark, your inner spark, your your sense of knowing yes. that you are you. Right. Yeah. That's a great tool. That's a, that's a great and, uh, and do you get good responses from that? Do people Yes and no. It really can be, you know, sometimes Able to contact that? Yeah. Sometimes it's like a, a recognition of just a very thin thread that extends throughout the whole history of self okay. that seems like unchanging and can be somehow recognized and contacted. Right. And I think that provides a lot of relief, a sense of, you know, home. Yeah. And, and so that could be the start of healing, that there is some hope. I do have something left, something that was not injured, yeah, compromised deformed yeah. so we want to we want to bring this so clear to people that um this takes a little practice like think about what are five qualities that let's say my family that you know that i grew up with still <laughs> in spite of if i'm fighting with the family they still love about me like mm. what would they think about is, oh, that's Kevin or Michael or Joseph, you know, or Nasima. Mm -hmm. That's Nasima. What do you think? Let's, let's try and do this, um, Nasima, because I want our audience to get this concept. We're trying to get a concept clear. People are mostly good. I mean, unfortunately, we walk around thinking we're not so good, but people are mostly good. Yeah. And if you can start with yourself and your family, and this unchangeable essence of you through the years, you'll be able to see it in your partner 
and recommit. Find some energy to bring back to a relationship that might might be dying. So I kind of feel like the, the essence, I don't know that it's good or bad. I think it's kind of underneath that too. It's just you. It's But it's I'm not you. one thing, right? No, no. That's why we want to. that specific constellation mm-hmm. that's me. Right. And that everyone has, and every every living being, I think, has its own unique constellation of essence. Exactly. So yeah. so let's let's get it. Can you name five things, Nasima, that your siblings and your parents together would say? Oh, that's Nasima. And uh, uh, <laughs> what yeah. I what I often hear, they they come to me for medical advice, even though I'm not a doctor. Uh, okay. But they, but I think they recognize, they recognize my interest. I've had an interest in the human body since I was very young. Oh. And so they always sort of call me to get some, your scientific you know, analytic brain, I guess. Yeah. And my, I'm, and my passion for mm-hmm. my passion for the body and my pursuit mm-hmm. and understanding of it. So there's that. I think they would say I'm adventurous. Is okay. I'm the one who came to New York on her own. Uh-huh. I they think... stayed behind in their local town. Yeah. And you came to the big town. I came to the big city. Okay. I think they would say, you know, that I'm kind of esoteric in a way. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think you are <laughs> my, How did my, that happen? My mom appreciated that about me. How we would talk happen? a little bit about, mm-hmm. you know, psychic stuff and numerology. and right. She kind okay. of appreciated my spirituality and my pursuit of that. So, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. And so that's three. I have three there. Okay, so yeah. we'll 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 just start with that. And what three do you think? Let's your family see. Would my say? three would be my resolve. I have a lot of resolve when I feel like I'm right about something. I'm stubborn. <laughs> I guess. So they might call it stubbornness. Who knows? That's your resolute. Or I'm resolute. Um, and determined. Yeah. Um, so that could be that could be one quality. Let's see. I would say sensitive. Mm-hmm. I would say they. I'm I'm a people person that I'm concerned about people. Yeah. Uh, so I fight for justice. I'm, I I remember you saying your mother pegged you as the priest of the family. That's she wanted true. you to be the back priest. when back when. So uh, so not that trait, far therapist no, priest. Yes. Right. That, no, so that trait. What else would they say? Positive things. So they would say, I'm very generous. I'm very generous. Very selfless. Yeah. I have a sort of selflessness, which cannot be a good quality if you analyze it, as we therapists tend to do. Um, but well, it's a balance. good quality if you're part of a family. Right. Um, that you could have this selfless quality. And let's see. I'm funny. You are funny. funny. (laughs) So So, there are five. So my question is, am I those things? And I would say, yes, I am those things. And and maybe feel into that quality, how long it's been, how those qualities, how long they've been with you. Right. To feel the the constancy of those qualities in you. And I think that can be really settling. For someone to know, oh, there is something about me that is unchanging. Because it seems like we change all the time, you know. Yes. But this one thing uh, that doesn't really change. We want the audience to first practice naming these sort of qualities. Yeah. And get into because you fell in love with somebody if you have fallen in love. 
with somebody who has these sort of mysterious kind of qualities that are them, that is really them. So when you lose them and you lose contact with those qualities, you know, your love dies. And and we want to help you try and get that back. And I think also knowing it for yourself and, and going through the lens of your family or maybe a close friend, if your family's too triggering, have a close, you know, what your close friend would say your qualities are that they can always rely on. Yes. In a way, I feel like essence is a way that we recognize each other. I think we recognize our essences on some level. Well, it's know. hard to know your own. But I think what people do when they fall in love, they're falling in love with somebody else's essence and the way they feel around Mm-hmm. the way that other person makes them feel their own essence. Like, I don't right. feel my essence unless I'm around somebody who loves me. Right. <laughs> is, what, uh, is what I think love does. Love brings out your essence. The other person brings out your essence. And it might be an essence that you didn't even know you had. This is the magic and mystery of, of romantic love, that I'm suddenly in touch with parts of me that I didn't really knew existed. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's tough to lose contact with. You don't want to lose that. Right. And I think it's important that you start to recognize your own, too. Whether, yeah, in some way. Of course. Start to really identify and let that. We're going we're gonna to get into this a little well, bit more yeah. later. but Right. We yeah. will talk about that at the end. Because ultimately, yes, if you don't love yourself. Or know yourself. Know yourself, but if you don't love yourself, you're probably not going to be able to sustain loving somebody else. Yeah. So let's let's move on. So we, we talk about these five these three to five qualities. And then that your family would love you for, just to show you that there are some lovable things <laughs> about you, even family though you might friend. be feuding with family. <laughs> and then we, we move to uh your relationships and you think about when you've been in love with somebody. And this is the fun part, right? So what five things in the other person that you've been in love with, what five traits would you name about them that, you know, pretty much makes up who they are? And I think when you're in love, you can make up 30, right? You can say 20, they're just right there, you know? So so let's see, I would say... Yes, her voice, uh, her smile, uh, her eyes, uh, yeah, physical features, but mostly uh, her caring, you know, and her loving touch, her caring for all things, all people, all beings. It's kind of strange to say to do this. It's an interesting exercise because I never really thought about it this way. But care... And so with gentleness, her gentleness was a trait, uh, or is a trait. And let's see, uh, her uh, enjoyment of, of uh, nature, yes, uh, enjoyment of nature, just the sense of wonder that she could have around nature. The desire for fairness, like to never say anything. I don't think I ever heard her say anything negative about another person, really. Um, and I could go on, right? Now Now I'm starting to get filled here. Yeah. <laughs> so when you get going on this, it makes you sense what love really is. I So the whole package of her 
is an essence. Like the essence of this person is just a vibrancy. You can't even name it. It's almost not like a physical body. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, and if I was to, you know, name some of the things that I feel in his essence, they're like, you know, it started with like his taste in music. There's something about Uh music, really enjoying music. Yeah. And, and the, the way that he brings music into his life, the sense of humor that just really connected with me and connected to that is just, there's a particular giggle that Uh really... I feel so like says so much about his soul, that giggle that just says it's joyful. It's, it's like a recognition of sort of the absurdity and, (laughs) you know, craziness of life, a kind of a self-deprecating giggle, like something that recognizes something like an ego of himself, you know, and that, Uh that kind of awareness, um, his eyes, his aesthetic, aesthetic, yeah, the way he dresses. The, no, the what the what he sees and like is very attuned to like art and color and the way things look. Yeah, like there's a quality of needing it to look and feel a certain way. Um, so there's a real. Uh, and aesthetic. how would you feel being around this person? Intrigued, happy, um, having fun, um, learning, like mm. learning a lot. And about the world. So you, you seem in full thrall here. I'm going to mm-hmm. venture to say that you probably could say much, much, much more. Absolutely. Right? When you're in this zone of noticing, like, the real core of a person. Right. That and you can go on and on. Right? That these uh, and, and people are mostly good. Aren't they? Mostly. <laughs> when you think about it. We and get caught up in, like, how they're different than us. But. I think this exercise shows people are mostly good. Yeah, and and very unique. And I think it might be a good exercise not only to write down these things, but maybe write them and first share them with a friend who who maybe knows the person or even doesn't know the person. But as just an exercise Hmm. to help open up more about them Hmm. and then share it with them. You know, it really can be so beautiful to... To hear this other side, because what do we usually do with our friends? We sort of gripe and, you know, bring our concerns about the other, all the things they're not doing, right, <laughs> all the things right. they always and do. And some friends say, you shouldn't be with that guy anyway. Yeah. Or sure, yeah. What are you doing? I, you know, have you ever what seen couples? Have you ever seen couples yeah. like that? Like, how are they together? Yeah. Like, what is it they see or feel? Yeah. You know? So. There was something. A friend, a friend could be. It could be a good way to, you know, let friends know that you know what they think and mm-hmm. you love despite what they might think. Anyway. Well, yeah, and I'm offering it not as, as a way to, you know, justify a relationship, but but to just help you have that open space to sort of, I don't know, express it. Because in the sort of expressing, like I wrote down this list, but in expressing it, so much more comes out. Yeah, you know, it's a great idea with to do with friends because friends want to get the dirt. I mean, often friends want to hear the complaints and be, you know, fr- um, unhappiness wants company. Let's say misery loves company, they say, right? So they might not want to hear you still being so in love with your partner when they not, might not be so in love with their partner. And talking about these good qualities uh, might be discouraged. And actually, I think 
Well, I hope it's not. Maybe there should be a rule. When you're going through this period of not being in love or, or losing the sense of love, that you don't talk about it, that you don't talk about it with friends. You talk about it with a therapist or you talk about it with somebody really close to you who's not going to validate, let's say, all these bad things. I, I'm working on this because I think it doesn't help, really. When you're accenting and talking about the positive qualities of your partner, it brings them more of it back. And so you want to add more when you're talking about this with somebody. And so, I'm going to throw this out here that it might be a good exercise for parents who have divorced to yeah. talk about their partner who they had children with, especially yes. if they had children, yes. to talk about the essence, what they did, because those children know, you yes. know, know it's a good the idea. father. It would be a good rule it's to have. It's definitely a good idea. To talk about the essence. Right, because there is one rule in divorcing, especially with young children, that you do not talk negatively about the other parent. Unless they were abusive and stuff like that. But You do not? But yeah, okay, you of course, don't. you validate any kind of you abuse, but you do not. Mm-hmm. talk negatively about the other parent. It'd be nice to talk positively. Anyway, the point is, before we go to our break, Nasima, that when you are in love and you do recognize all these qualities, and the qualities are kind of endless, they just can keep running off the the edge, um, that the other person, uh, their behavior, the, you know, their negative behavior doesn't really matter, right? Mm-hmm. So even, well, I don't want to go that far, but I mean... You know, they, they're sloppy or they're late or they keep a poor checking account or, you know, they have they just have a bunch of what would normally be, uh, you know, negative behaviors, things that might turn you off. They don't. Yeah. They don't when you're in this full flood of their positive qualities. And, of course, that happens when you first fall in love. But if you can stop to think... What is their essence? What are their real traits? You know, last week I said, what's the one thing your partner has when you're falling out of love? The one trait that they have that nobody else in the world has. And I think what we're talking about today is what are the many traits that your partner has that nobody has in combination the way your partner has them? And that this is the way to keep your love going. And, and get back in touch with your love. So we're we're going to come up to our musical break, and we will be back. You're listening to The Positive Mind. I'm Kevin O'Donohue, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm Nasima Diane Deemer, trauma specialist and licensed massage therapist. And we'll be right back.
So that's that full orchestra is what let's say the fullness of the trees that I'm noticing outside in nature this week and the fullness of love, right? That nearly was mine. My gosh, the pain of not having it fully. Yeah. Mm. Of losing it. Of losing it as well. And so Frank Sinatra and South Pacific. That was South Pacific. Mm-hmm. <sighs> So no wonder we're doing shows on love, Nasima. I mean, this is like something that we don't want to leave. We don't want people to do without. Let's, here on The Positive Mind, try and preserve it. We want to re- go back to last week's show where we acknowledge that, yes, this happens. That nature maybe designed us to fall out of love, right? Nature designed us to procreate and then move on and to get older and, and to pass on and your genes are passed on and so then you can pass on and then once that goes you don't need love anymore right <laughs> at least nature is fine with you not loving oh, that loving's an add-on it's a good add-on and it's one that humans can really experience to what we call the soul the depth of your soul does does a bird have a soul absolutely um I believe well, maybe so. humans have big souls, so we don't want their those souls to do without something that's so nourishing and nurturing. Why would you go through life this way without it when you can have it? So we want to, on the positive mind, yes, say it is a statistical fact that this does happen. Love does fall away, but you kind of have to fight to keep it. You have to fight to keep it. We're trying to find ways to do that. And last week we talked about First, make eye contact. Couples just stop looking at each other. I think it's for a sense of guilt that the love is gone. Or I'm fixated only on your negative qualities and I can't get myself out of this loop. So I'm not going to make eye contact with you. Well, I think something we can also start talking about here is where does ego come into all of this? Because I think sometimes we confuse ego with essence and essence with ego. There's something that's running in front of you, okay. you know, in front of your essence. And I think that's ego. And I think that's where we get hung up and where a lot of hurt is. Well, ego, that's a good thing uh, to 
bring up, I think you're right. And ego is such a complicated thing to just start talking about in terms of love. But let's look at it in this way. Like so many, so oftentimes ego is like a block. It's something that's in the way, right? Oh, he's so egotistical that he doesn't see himself. He's not available for loving anybody else. He's so wrapped up in his ego Um, or vice versa. She is as well, right? So in that sense, I think we should talk about ego in the sense as it's a block to sustaining a loving feeling for somebody. When you're wrapped up in your own deficiencies, and this is what ego is, right? You're basically insecure about something. So you exaggerate your ego. You know, it might not be so clear to you, but other people might see it very clearly. You're running on your own deficiencies, your sense of not being worthy or being enough. So you're busy, restless, trying to get more of what you think you might need. And this is a block to love. But yeah, go ahead. I think it's like ego is what you kind of have. It's a construct around a hurt or a fear or a lack, like you say. Yeah. Like I've sort of constructed myself around a lack of being able to be ambitious, let's say. So you don't feel ambi- – you feel ambition is one thing that you're you're deprived of? In a certain way, yeah. So yeah. let's and play this out because how, how, how would that, that affect somebody you're in love with, being in love with somebody? Let's see. If I've built my ego around a lack of ambition, maybe I would go for someone who was ambitious on okay. some level. Right. And use that resource of his ambition to pull me along, mm. right? And so I don't really get to live into my own – Ambition right. that so might vicariously be. fill that empty slot in you by marrying mm-hmm. or falling in love with somebody who is ambitious. Yeah. Until you, you fall out of love with this person and then you're aware of your own lack of ambition. Mm-hmm. And now how do I survive without having this other person whose ambition I was living off of? How do I find my own ambition? But if it's an ego construct, maybe ambition isn't part of my essence. That's why it's good to hear from somebody, right? Because it's it's hard to fix a negative. It's much easier mm-hmm. to work with a positive. And build up a positive. Than to right? fix a negative. And the negative will work itself out when you're, when you're working on the positive. But yeah. to return to this idea of blocks and ego, of course, ego and your superego. If you're very, um, let's say, moralistic or conscientious or you're always concerned about you know, dirty things or bad things, um, Nasima. then it's very hard for love to fill your heart and for you to be noticing all the positives in your partner and in the world. So you're busy trying to make the world a just, fair place, and there's no room for yourself or for somebody else. So your ego and your superego, and of course your id, which we could talk about forever, because the unconscious seems so prevalent here in the way we mate, the way we partner up with somebody. Do do animals have an unconscious? No. Only <laughs> humans have an unconscious. I think animals have instinct. They have memory. <laughs> I think they've they got They have instinct. memory and they have instinct, but I don't think they have any unconscious. But it's the unconscious that often is what draws us to people, to our partners. And so that has a huge influence on how or whether we can stay in love with people or not. So we're so we're talking a lot of Freud isms here. Yes, ego is, id, super ego. Right. Well Freud Freud believed that we always were looking for somebody to replace the parent of the opposite sex. So for a man he's always looking for his mother. 
And it's a frequent complaint when therapy gets underway with a couple that she's like my mother. So how could I still be looking for my mother when when I didn't have a great relationship with my mother and now I'm married to my mother? Or he, he I'm, he's like my father. He's doing the exact things that my father used to do. So it gets very complicated. Well, and on the core of this, like why we do this is because it's familiar, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Animals like the routine, the safe, and the predictable. And human animals want the same thing that they were familiar with. So we don't judge any of this. We just point it out. But it's the inspiration, Nassima, of the soul, mm -hmm. the inspiration of the the essence of the other person that, you know, kind of transcends these things, transcends ego, transcends superego, transcends it. You know, and then we're at a more sophisticated way of being. When people let their love die, it's like they're letting the animal part of them take over. Right. You know, which we're not saying that you don't stay with somebody who it's not working with. We just say don't stop just because it's not working right now. We say give it a try. Let's work this out. Let's see if it's workable. Yeah. First, Go and it might mechanic. be painful, and there might be plenty of lessons to learn. Uh, but first, give it a try before you move on, because you're probably just going to repeat anything, the same thing when you move on. So all of this is good. So, But let's be, be more practical. What are the things that block me from mm, appreciating the essence of my partner? Because I can so easily name, right? Even if even if we haven't been in love for five years and, you know, somebody says, well, what, what are five big traits of your partner that, you know, you might have fallen in love with? Can you name them? And virtually everybody can name them, even if they haven't been in love for five years, even if they've fallen out of love, you know, or they're just housemates, they're roommates. Then that's pretty much the relationship. They can still, five years later, name these positive traits. You know, so there's still access to the love. And this is ways that we can transcend the animal nature, which is to tell us to move on, go go somewhere else. Right. So there's this aspect. But what are the blocks that get in the way of every stress, right? Stress would be one thing that I'm so consumed by my stress that I can't appreciate my partner. Being a parent, all the obligations of being a parent. So you get caught up in your role as a parent and your obligations as a parent. Legitimately so. These are new beings in your life beside your loved one, your partner, and they have to they have needs. So you can get caught up in those. And I can imagine if you start feeling like your like your partner is like your father or your mother, that that sort of past experience and trauma or whatever right. happened there might also sort of block you from seeing your partner as your partner. Well, that's a very good point because when you're under stress to start with, let's say you're having work stress and then you come home and then you have the kids and the family and and that and then your loved one is acting like this familiar parental figure that I remember when I was young. And so I'm not open to them as who they really are, the person I fell in love with. Um, I'm only seeing and feeling them on when because I'm in stress. I don't have a, access to a wider range of feeling. I'm sort of boxed in that I'm only 
seeing this partner as the mirror image of my mother or my father or my caretakers or the way they handled their stress. And then all my resentments about that start coming exactly. into play. And it's like you've exactly. forgotten who this person is. That's like right. stop and take that transference. We yes. call it transference. Let's right. recognize it and let it drop. Exactly. Yeah, drop the transference. If, well, no. I mean, see the person for who you they are. You would like to drop it. You would like to drop it, but when you're in stress, and if you're in stress for prolonged periods of time, then it becomes like this is my world consistently. And then you've, you've lost access to it. And again, we repeat on the positive mind, this is not uncommon. This happens. And to not judge yourself for this happening. We just want to say that there are ways to get back out of it, right? And so one of the things we humans have... <laughs> is a mouth with words that we can say, you know, I've been under a lot of stress, that we can make appointments with the person that we fell in love with, make appointments to talk where I can talk from a more natural place, an unstressed place that you remember me to have and that you fell in love with. When I was, You didn't fall in love with the stressed me. You fell in love with the, un, you know, the open variant, variable me. So that's when you'd want to make an appointment with your partner and sit down and just look in each other's eyes to, again, sort of like come out of the story, out of no. the trance of childhood, you know, yeah. things and see the person for who they are. Right. Yeah. I want to honor also in the same that it's very hard to make eye contact when you're caught up in stress, right? Of so, course. So we want to acknowledge that, yes, you do want to make an appointment to slow down and reconnect or reacquaint potentially, potentially, because it's not a guarantee that you're going to recontact, connect again with this, the essence of the other person uh, and those good feelings that you have when you are in contact with that essence. So we want to honor that, honor that it, it's just an appointment. And yes, eye contact would be great, touching of the hands or, you know, a gentle touch um, would be great. All these other things we talked about last show would be great. Um, but it's very complicated. It's not simple, right? So the, behind it all is this desperation, like, I don't have the same feelings I used to have, and I, I don't feel great about not having them. I really want to get them back. Um, so... I like the idea of making the appointment. This is this is really the turning point against nature and towards, you know, a more human way of living. Um, because nature would just say, well, that's over with. Go move on, right? Go find another lion. <laughs> so I think another way we can look at, you know, what might be blocking us is our sort of relational history with you know, the attachment stuff that we've talked about. We did a show about attachment. Yes. And <clears throat> that the Bethany Saltman was our guest, and she talked about the, did your parents, did your caregiver delight in you? And as a child, you might have gotten some support for knowing what your essence was if your parent delighted in you. Like those things yes. that you did that your parent really liked that really got you support and attention and mm. care and then 
<clears throat> you know, we talk about the Enneagram too, and sometimes things get fixated, like our ego fixation in being the helper or the yes. or the achiever or something like that. Like suddenly what we did with love, like just this actual essence of ourself coming out, it was very much with love that we did it. Right. Suddenly it becomes for love. Like what do I do to get love? Right. Yes. Well, that's the distortions that the Enneagram talks about. What was the name of uh, Bethany Saltman's book that we did have this guest author on? Strange Situation. Right. A um, Mother's Journey Through the Science of Attachment. Science of Attachment. Right. Yeah. And the, the theory behind this is that sometimes babies do not feel attached to their, their caretakers. So the the strange situation exercise was when the mother would leave the room and come back and how the baby would respond. If the, the baby was didn't even acknowledge the mother, then there's a chance that the baby is um, not attached. And that can have ramifications in their future relationships. Thankfully, 70% of babies stay attached and feel attached. Now, this delightment, this delight that you're talking about is a further progression and I could imagine your mother was delighted to see you, Nasima. And I think your mother was delighted to see you too, Kevin. Yeah. There's something in you that kind of lights up when you see an an other that you love or that your other sees you. And I think it is that quality of delight. Right. Like, can you delight in your partner? Can you delight in your child? And what is it that brings up your delight? Let's close. That's let's the do essence. that. Can you? This That's is new. This is showing up spontaneously in our radio broadcast, our podcast here today. This idea of delight. Can you? I like this, Nasima. Can you close your eyes and delight? Find your delight in the person you fell in love with. Right? Just go ahead. Close your eyes. Can you find the delight that I had in this other person? And that I have. And now Bring that I have. That's definitely not there. When we, when you get on a roll of talking about the positive attributes and traits of your partner, you can, you, you can rekindle the awareness that there's a multitude of traits that I'm in love with that only this person has and so um worthy of love they're so worthy yeah and uh, i'm lucky i'm and lucky to be attached to this this person right and to and to see if you can recognize you know maybe not even in yourself but in the other like what part of them seems to be consistent constant the same like we said in the beginning of the show right like what hasn't changed you know, maybe their job has changed. Maybe the stress level has changed. Maybe, you know, how they look has changed. Yes. You know, they've gotten scruffier or right. bigger or smaller, whatever. Right. Those, aren't, we're, we're changing on the outside so much, but something on the inside hasn't changed. See, and when, that's the thing. When a couple comes and says to me, well, she's a good mother or he's a good father, I kind of cringe a little bit because I don't. That's not personal, right? I'm talking about the two of you. I'm not talking about their role in life, how how well they're doing their role. When, when, when that's the only thing a couple has, uh, he's good with the kids. Uh, she's great with – she's a great mother. Well, yeah, but that doesn't kind of help you 
at nighttime right. when the kids are in bed. You know, so I always feel like that. Ooh, that's not mm, mm-hmm. what we're talking about here. No, we want it. The delight in the other person is in them as their person, not in the role that they're having. And so this role that we play, and and this brings up you know this topic that we've talked about very often on the show, um, which is our personality, a personality type that not only do we fall into roles, but we also fall in, you know, something that I can't do anything about, my personality. Like, um, And we talked about these nine different personalities. And I do think, Nasima, for relationships to be successful, mature relationships, that you have to learn about the other person's personality that you just don't know them just for the surface of who they are. And, yes, the delight in them and the qualities and traits that they have. But what what gave birth to this unique personality that I'm in love with? And I think when you do do that, um, you really can appreciate this other person. So when we talk, we've talked about the Enneagram before, and we didn't talk about it today. I thought it would be important to include it because – how we met the disapproval of our caretakers when we were young, and yes, everybody has experienced the disapproval of their caretakers when they were young, and that can be heartbreaking, right? I was My parents once loved me so much, they had no objection to me. Yeah. And then to finally, you know, to have that experience when they don't have that kind of love anymore, they're objecting to the way that I am. Yeah. How you responded to that, is very important to know about your partner. Very important to know about yourself, but also to know about your partner. And we only know each other by how we behave. And so the Enneagram talks about nine different ways people behave, nine different ways people responded to this rejection, let's say, by their parents. You know, So when you're giving all the time, you can imagine that the rejection you felt was because you weren't uh, acceptable anymore. So you're trying to become acceptable again by giving. Or you weren't valued as a person. So if I I know what made mommy happy when I did something beautiful and achieved something. And, you know, I know something that made him happy when I learned something. So, you know, you become this personality that, you know, you make peace when there's noise. And bring Kevin and he'll make peace for everything. So we can't go into all of them today. Um, But we do want to say that this is another ingredient where you can delight in your partner by recognizing how they adjusted to, you know, the rejection, let's say, or the injury uh, of their parents and their caretakers not loving them. So that's for another day. I did want to recap, Nasima, if we could. We're recommending that you write down, really contact the love you have for this person that you're in love with or was in love with. Really contact it and write down five of the th- five of the traits. Five of the five to five thousand, because when you really get into it, you'll see you cannot take this grouping and put it on another human being. That just will not happen. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. There, there, so there is there, no way this is duplicated. Even among twins, I don't think it's duplicated. Definitely not. Definitely not among twins. So mm-hmm. um, this is what you fell in love with, and this is an essence. And we do think that this is really what falling in love is about, that you're falling in love with an essence and that you're in touch with your own essence when you have contacted somebody else's. 
And it's quite a remarkable thing. Right. It really is. And the other side of that exercise is to write down the five things you think your partner thinks are your essence. So it's sort of like a stepping mm. outside and looking at yourself through their eyes. Yeah. What do you think your essence is? Yeah. And you mean there's... And, and are you bringing it forward? Are you letting it be seen? You think there is five? Uh, more, <laughs> at least, hopefully. <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap it up for us today. You've been listening to The Positive Mind. I am Kevin O'Donoghue, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm Nasima Diane Deemer, trauma specialist and licensed massage therapist. And we would like to thank our community independent radio stations for bringing The Positive Mind to their listeners on a weekly basis. KACR, KAOS, KPEJ, KXCR, KYGT. WBDY, WRWK, WFMP in Louisville, Kentucky. We'd also like to thank our producer, Connie Shannon, our chief engineer, Jeff Brady. You can contact us at tffpp.org with questions, comments, suggestions, or to sign up for our newsletter. You can also find us on most podcast platforms under The Positive Mind. Thank you for your support. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye-bye.